0: Hi, it's Blackery-Sieger here, here, a Promley intern and student at TCNJ, where I am a neuroscience major, and welcome to another episode of the Promley Garden Podcast. If you haven't already, please follow us on Promley App for updates on the Promley App launch and more great podcasts. Together, we will change outcomes. Tonight, we have Promley founder Jen Libby and Elise Schuster from OKSo, So, which is a nonprofit organization aimed at giving teens the right resources at the time they need it the most. When you're having a personal problem, you need advice from real people you can trust. Okay, so it gives you access to experts you can't reach in any other way to get support and information whenever you need it. From sex and dating to identity and more, Okay, so is there for you. Hi, Elise. Thank you hey. for coming on our podcast today.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: We're so excited to have you. Um just first and foremost, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what okay, so is and what you and your team had in mind when you got started with this organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Okay. So the real aim of okay. So is to increase the access that people have to support and information when they need it. So I'm a sexuality educator. I've worked in this field for about 20 years. I've had all kinds of conversations with all different kinds of people. And one of the things that I noticed throughout those conversations was that really I wanted to be able to do more. So I can talk to one person for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, but that's just me. And there are, I knew that there were so many people out there who needed that same kind of support and either didn't know where to go or, you know, people are sort of overwhelmed and there's not a way to access it. And so what that leaves people doing is Googling things, turning to porn, all of that stuff. And so we really wanted to say, what if we could find a way to connect people to experts like me, to experts like the people that I know, so that anyone can get support, whenever they need it, wherever they are, because that's what everyone deserves.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: that is totally awesome. Elise, you brought up porn, which I thought was interesting. I'm a therapist. I work with a lot of teenagers and I've definitely over the years heard of kids going to porn to try to find answers to their questions. Not that that's an accurate resource, but what's your take on that? Certainly from a sex educator um, and from, you know, an okay, so standpoint.
1: Yeah, this is a huge thing. We get tons of questions about porn on, okay, so, and I do think, you know, in the absence of really the problem is that there's a gap. And so things kind of fill that gap, whether, whether people are seeking them out or not. And so I think one of the biggest things about porn is that often young people don't really understand that porn is not the same thing as real life, like real world sex. And so I often say, and I'm not the only person who says this, but I don't know where it initially came from, but you wouldn't learn how to drive by watching a Fast and the Furious movie. So don't learn how to have sex from watching porn. And so it's really the same kind of thing that at like a media literacy class might do for someone to help help us all, I think, understand how advertisements are produced and what photoshopping means and, you know, how everything we're looking at is sort of made with a specific audience and a specific goal in mind. And porn is the same. And so we spend a lot of time talking with folks about that really to help them understand that it's not meant to be reflective of the real world. It's not meant to be educational. It is a performance. It is scripted. It is meant to elicit a certain response um, and really helping people contextualize it so that they, when they're watching it, they kind of fit it in into their lives in the place that it should be instead of the place that it kind of ends up,
2: do you feel like the teens that you talk to, you know, kind of accept that? Like, do you feel like that that is is heard
1: and like incorporated? I do. It's actually really it's one of my favorite moments when i we're talking with someone about this, and they're kind of like, "Wait, really? Oh, oh my gosh, right? and and I think none of us really like feeling like we're being played or right. manipulated, and so actually, I think the experience that people have is sort of feeling like, oh, I'm in charge of this now, right? Like I sort of understand it and can control it instead of feeling like it's controlling me, which is, I think what a lot of people feel like when they don't have that information at their fingertips, they sort of feel like, here's this thing that I'm seeing, this must be how it is that this thing that I have to live up to, it feels really overwhelming and scary. And now I can be like, no, no, nobody's going to drive like the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> so where none of us are expected to do that, it's actually all this other stuff. And so it's it's really this, It's it really is one of my favorite kind of things to watch is someone sort of be able to shift their, their thinking around it.
2: Well, I so appreciate you saying that. I can't tell you how many times when I'm sitting with somebody and it's so clear to me when they're relaying their anxiety or they're relaying like what happened in a sexual situation that really made them feel uncomfortable. And it's like, you know, I kind of sit back and say, whoa, 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 like, where did you, where did you get that idea from that, that that's what's expected or, you know, whatever. And and inevitably it comes back to like, well, that's like my friend showed me or, you know, whatever from porn. And, you know, it's that, you know, reminder of like, wait, you don't have to be a porn star. You're really like, that's not how it's supposed to be, but yet there's so much misinformation out there. I think, you know, we joked, I think the last time I spoke with you was in that, you know, I wanted you know, that, uh, you know, thousand t-shirts that say porn is not sex ed, you know, in an effort to really get the word out there. But I feel like you guys are actually getting the word out there in this really like large scale way, which is like, so appreciated.
1: And so (laughs) (laughs) honestly, Well, what's really nice about it, I think is that we're able, because we're having one-on-one conversations with folks, it's the same kind of thing, right? I think often I'll hear someone, someone will say something in that conversation. I mean, they're typing it, but and you can kind of read between the lines and it's like, I think that I know where this is coming from. And so I will actually often sort of preempt it. And even if they haven't brought it up, I'll sort of I might say as part of my response, and if some of these things are things that you're thinking about because you saw them, then here's the thing that I, you know. So and and often the response is, yeah, that is actually, how did you know? Right. And <laughs> I think when you have enough conversations, you start to kind of recognize where things are headed, which is a really nice aspect of it. I mean, we're all unique and wonderful beings, but we're also having a lot of the same experiences.
0: Yeah, totally. I think it's, you know, as a college student, it would be amazing to have these resources, um, just overhearing conversations on campus. I think it's just very common for young people ages, you know, 18 to 23. that sort of a distorted perception of what's expected and, you know, what that experience looks like. You know, not everyone in college, you know, comes into college they all come in from different places and it's like an on-ramp onto a turnpike and it's like everybody's trying to meet and merge into the, the middle. You know, I think having a platform to get those questions answered and to like really warp, have that warped perception. Okay, it's not just I'm stuck in this lane. I can, you know, put on my signal and I can, you know, turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like going off of you taking, you know, the initiative of giving kids and teens and adults this information and this access. Um, I know you've started an app. Uh, and the app store is, you know, they you're still working on um, getting your 17 down to your 13 um, as far as app store permissions go. But um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the questions your team answers, and you know, maybe some of your favorite or the kind of questions that your team might struggle with answering?
1: So we answer all different types of questions. So what the way that it works is that we have uh, volunteer experts who are grouped into teams based on topic areas, and so we have topic areas that people might expect in a sort of traditional sexuality education setting. So pregnancy and birth control, STIs and safer sex, uh, the things that people might have at least somewhat covered in school. And then we also have dating and relationships. We have a sex team. We have uh, have an identity kind of LGBTQ issues team. We have stress and self-care. So we really wanted to think about all of the different types of things that go along with condoms and birth control and pregnancy and all of the kind of typical things right i think often traditional sex education it's really focused on how not to get pregnant how not to get stis and those are things that of course you know we want we want to work on but both of those things sit within the context of all of the rest of our lives and i often say that i think it's not i think it's not often so much about knowing how to use a condom as it is believing that you deserve to ask for one to be used. And that's a huge shift. And so we really have all of these different teams because we want to answer this huge this all this range of questions. And so we answer questions about everything. I mean we have, you know, we have people who are like how do I know if I like someone, right? All the way from how do I know to if I like someone to, you know, my partner and I have been engaging in this very specific kink and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate it to I'm feeling really stressed out by school to, you know, how do I come out to my parents? Um, what, you know, will, will my penis keep growing? Um, (laughs) there's sort of, it's really every single kind of question. And I would say some of our most common questions, probably one of our most, most common questions is how do I know if I'm having an orgasm? Uh, that's a huge one and really speaks to again, how little, traditional sexuality education has talks about pleasure in any way, shape, or form, but how important it is in our lives. We also get lots of questions about birth control and lots and lots of relationship questions. And so there's, you know, lots of folks who are navigating how to communicate with their partner, how they're feeling about their partner, their sex life with their partner. There's sort of lots of, lots of those things uh, that are going on as well for folks. And that was really one of the reasons I think why when we looked around not only at the sort of access issue, one of the things that we saw when we were starting, okay, so was that there are some things, right? If your question is, where can I get an STI test? That is relatively Googleable. If your question is, you know, this person that I've been with for the past six months has all of a sudden started acting distant towards me and I'm not sure what's going on, do you think they might be cheating on me? Do you think you can't Google that? It just is impossible. And so we see a lot of those kinds of questions that that you can't Google, and that's really what we wanted to be able to do is answer those more complex things. And so thinking about things that we, you know, there aren't really questions I would say that we can't answer. I would say it's more that often that we can't. Often there's not a simple answer, and that I think is, you know, as human beings we often want like just give me the quick thing, right? Like just give me the quick and easy thing I can do. And often my response is well. Everyone is different and you're going to have to figure it out with your partner and you're going to have to talk about it a lot. And it might be kind of hard. And so I think sometimes people are sort of like, oh, I don't, I, but I wanted. isn't there like a pill I can take? And I'm like, no, <laughs> there's not. So I think sometimes it, it's really that, 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 you know, we're trying to kind of walk people through some of this stuff that is that, you know, your question is complex and the answer is complex. and it's life
0: stuff. What, it's not just.
1: Yeah, people. it's life. It's just. Welcome to adulting. (laughs)
0: Human perspective of, you know, oh, this is not just one part of your life. Like you exist outside of this problem you're having. You know, uh, I went to some public school, you know, and we got this very no sex and you won't get pregnant type of thing. And it's just it's really encouraging to hear that this is becoming more and more of, you know, a popular way to learn and that, you know, my kids and my younger siblings will hopefully have a better education than I did um, up to this point. Uh, I just. you know i wish i had this type of thing uh accessible when i was learning about it um just wondering though like i know uh different people might answer some of these like questions differently um when asking questions like does the user have the chance to get a few different opinions or answers from different okay so experts or representatives just in case they're like okay well i don't feel like you know this person's background meshes with you know this sort of problem i'm going through Would it be okay if I wanted to get someone's perspective, or you know, maybe their life experiences match closely, or my gender identity match more closely to what I'm going through? And you know, some questions just can't be answered by certain people. You need to have the matching in order for it to really give you that specific niche, you know, answer that you're looking for, whether it's holistic or it is a pill.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I think oftentimes it really it can just make a difference to be hearing an answer from someone who we who we see as you know kind of being being similar to us in in a really important way. And so we try to have a really diverse group of experts on, okay, so of all different backgrounds, different parts of the country, different upbringings, different races and ethnicities, different specialties, because we do want to offer all of those different perspectives. And then they work in teams. And so because they're in teams, that means that when someone asks a question, everyone on the team can see that question and can see the conversation that happens. And so Often, what we'll see is that, and this I do this all the time, is that I'll sort of read through a conversation that another expert is having to see if I have something that I want to add. And if it feels like I'm sort of like, oh no, that's pretty much everything that I wanted to say, then I'm then I might just kind of be like what that person said and kind of like do a little up arrow thing. But if, but oftentimes there's something else that you know that I can see in that conversation or or a different thing that I might want to offer, and I'll jump in. And then we also occasionally have folks who will say, you know, is there a this specific kind of person who can answer my question? And there usually is almost, almost all the time. Uh, and sometimes we also will, you know, I have been known to sort of be like, can you tell me why you feel like you need that person to answer your question? <laughs> because right. I think sometimes we can kind of box ourselves in too, right? And we can think like, only this kind of person can understand what I'm going through. But in fact, like, Often, what we're going through is more common than we think, and there are, are lots of other people who could. So it we try to kind of find a balance between giving you know helping someone get connected to the exact person they want and helping them see that actually the thing that they're going through connect they're connected in a lot of ways to other people too.
2: I thought it was so interesting. I didn't realize that you have an entire team like really looking at the exchanges, right? So it's like the user is getting, not just one person's experience, but really multiple people's experience potentially in any yeah, yeah. given question that they ask. That's amazing. And yeah, yeah we, yeah, yeah. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and I know because I was reading on the website and I thought it was so interesting when you say you have like really a wide range of different experts, you know, you have sex educators, you have, doctors, you have teachers, you have sex workers. I mean, that was, you know, that was something where I was like, whoa, like, that's really inclusive and very cool to be able to really open up the dialogue to, you know, people from all different backgrounds, really, and areas of expertise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, we, we often think, I think, really narrowly about what we consider to be an expert, but there's sort of this balance, right? I think, well, the way that I often talk about it is like, in our STI team, for instance, if someone has a, a question that is about the differences between herpes simplex virus one and herpes simplex virus two, like I can't even really <clears throat> excuse me, like I can't even really answer that, right? Like I should, I could try, but it's not. I'm not an epidemiologist, but we have you an have we have one
0: on a team available. We
1: do. It's great. It she. It's one of the. Like when COVID started, she I reached out to her and she was like, "Yeah, actually, I spent six months working at the Wuhan virology center." And I was like, "Okay, great. Can you answer questions about COVID?" And she was like, "Yes, yes, I can." So it was really, you know, it it's really wonderful to have uh, such a range of folks. And so, you know, for a question like that, we need a very specific kind of expertise. But for a que- you know, for a question like one of my favorite questions ever was, um, so. Uh, I wore my Pokemon shirt yesterday, and then this other person wore their Pokemon shirt today. So does that mean that they like me, right? Which I remember being 14 and wondering those kinds of things. It's a good question. Really. It's a great question. And you don't need to be an epidemiologist to answer it, right? <laughs> so I think we try to really think about all of the different things that really make someone an expert that aren't just What schools you've had, but what lived experiences you've had. Like,
0: you know, just how you you consider yourself. You know, people often consider themselves, you know, an expert in something and then they do another job, right? It's just like personal life experience. Maybe someone's like, I think I'm being cheated on. And you have a sex worker who's like, oh, I've been cheated on. Like, great. There's a great resource for, you know, someone to bring in. It could be, you know, it could be really anyone. It could be the teacher. Um, I just, just like, I think it's so awesome that you guys take in all these. Different perspectives and bring them together to prevent, you know, the person asking the question from getting a specific viewpoint. They get the whole range, and I think that's really something unique. One of the most unique things about OKSO. OK um, what does it take to become a part of an OKSO OK team? Now yeah. that we've gone over, you know, what they do and <laughs> what they bring to the to the table, what does it take? Yeah.
1: Well, of course, we want to make sure that you know that everyone who's joining still is going to answer questions in the way that we want to be answering questions, right? Sort of lots of empathy and compassion. Um, and, and that I think, you know, I think we're, we're always trying to sort of take that lived experience and balance it with someone who, with folks who have had a lot of time kind of working in the field in some way. And so what we do is we have an application process that that people go through where they're filling out an app, a written application for us. We interview everybody on the phone, we want to kind of hear about their, their background, their experience. And then uh, we have a whole onboarding and training process that people go through, uh, which includes training them on how to use OKSO, but also the kind of ways that we want to answer questions and how the teams work together and, and all of those pieces. And then what's really nice is because they're in teams, it kind of means that there's always like people paying attention. So, you know, I never worry that there's, an expert kind of off on their own saying something that we wouldn't want them to say because everything that they're saying, they're saying in front of a whole team of people. So there's there's kind of a, a way that we can very easily keep an eye on things as well.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a lot of checks and balances that make it like really work pretty effectively. Um, that's cool. Do you guys need volunteers now? Like, are you actively searching for volunteers?
1: We're always looking for, for new folks because I think that, you know, because it's volunteers, my kid is outside Um, because it's all volunteer based. We often have, hang on just a second. No, you may not. (laughs) Um, So because it's volunteer based, we often have folks who, you know, volunteer for a little while and then need to go. And so, you know, they've got other stuff, they get a new job, they're much busier, whatever it might be. um, And they need to, you know, do something else for a little while. And so, we're always kind of trying to find folks so that we have um, so that we have, you know, people who are really actively engaged at any given moment.
2: I love it. I totally love it. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. It's truly, I think it would be one of like the coolest things you could do to give your experience and knowledge, pass it down to the younger generation or even someone older than you who is just curious about something and needs your help. And I, I think it's just like so rewarding to be able to know something and have gone through something and then, there's like, you know how people say live and you learn. I think there's something to be said for the the teaching element of that. Um, yeah. So what was like, what was one thing that you learned about yourself, uh, you know, after becoming, you know, someone who has as, at the realm of, you know, answering all of these questions and interacting with people who are looking for help and support. Um, what What did you find out about yourself? I would imagine... After answering all of these questions from Pokemon shirts to STIs, like what is what do you find out?
1: That is a great question. Um, you know, I think that, gosh, there are so many things that I've learned, but I think honestly, one of the things that I've learned the most is that whatever job I'm doing, I need to I personally need to be having these kinds of conversations with people that you know, being able to I think often, especially in sort of the health education or sex education world, you kind of um, often like it's not sustainable to have just these kinds of one-on-one conversations with people for your entire career. You end up moving into doing administrative work or you're writing grants or you're doing all these other things and you kind of get really far away from the reason why you went into the work, which is that you really like talking to people about this stuff. And so that's really been something amazing for me. In some ways it's why I started it cuz I, I really missed it. And I've discovered that the way that I stay energized is by answering questions on Okay So Myself and that having those conversations and and getting that kind of real interaction with folks keeps me so energized when I'm in the middle of dealing with a budget or a grant or whatever it might be. I can totally understand that where
2: like just that idea of being in again, getting those aha moments, right, from all of the people that you're talking to, I would imagine, in many ways, where it's like, wait a second, I'm not alone here, you know, I'm in, I'm supported, and I'm in a safe place, and I'm getting
1: my answers, you know, met, is like, that's got to be very rewarding. Yeah, it's really, it's a really cool, I mean, I have people that I've had conversations with that I will never forget, right, that just were, it, it was so incredible to be able to be there for them in that particular, particular moment. There was a young a young woman in Florida who was pregnant and, and was like, okay, well, I'm, I don't want to be pregnant. So I'm going, I'm going to go to this place called blah, 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 whatever it was. And I was like, mm, mm, and I Googled it and it was a fake health center. It was a crisis pregnancy center. Right. And so and I was like, you do not want to go there. <laughs> this is what this is. Is that what you want? And she was like, no, that's not what I want. And so we were able to you know, help her just totally avoid that incredibly traumatic experience. And it's just things like that, where you're like, Oh, that's one person, but it feels so amazing to know that that one person is going to have such a better experience.
2: Well, and it's really life-changing. I mean, what you're doing, even just by answering these questions is truly life-changing. I can think of even small scale questions, just from the standpoint of like, let's say the anxiety that goes into first experiences, right. In terms of first Mm -hmm. intimate experiences, first relationships, The fact that OKSO is there to answer those questions, to kind of dispel or demystify a lot of things is really so impactful. Think of how many people keep these secrets, right? And they don't have anywhere to go with it. They could keep these secrets for the rest of their life. And so to have this place is really, um, really just like life changing,
1: I imagine, for, you know, so many people. Yeah, completely. Well, I think, you know, when I worked at Babeland... Uh, which is I sold sex toys at Babeland for about a decade off and on. And I talked to so many adults in, you know, folks in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who were carrying around all of this stuff. And I think that that was one of the things for me. I mean, there's so many reasons, but what I noticed throughout those thousands of conversations that I had were that there were some common themes that was sort of like, everybody's worried about whether or not they're normal. Everyone thinks that their partner is thinking X, Y, Z thing about them. That's probably not true. Everyone is scared to bring something up. Everyone thinks that, you know, there's like this kind of idea that you're sort of broken in some way. And so part of it for me was like, we gotta, we gotta shift this earlier. Like I don't want to see anybody walking in at 30 or 40 or 50 having carried around all of this baggage for so long. What can we do? Can we get to people earlier? And I think that sex is in in so many ways, our sex lives are, are sort of like a microcosm of the rest of our lives. So If we don't believe that our needs are important in our sex life, guess what? We probably don't believe that our needs are important in the rest of our lives, right? If we believe that, you know, if we believe that we don't deserve nice things, we're not going to believe that we deserve pleasure. We're not going to believe that we deserve other nice things. And so I think that sex becomes this place where if we can open up and be vulnerable there and feel safe there and grow there because of that, then. My hope is that it has this kind of ripple effect out into the rest of our lives where it turns out like our communication gets better, our connection to our own needs gets better, whatever, you know, whatever it is that we can make a change there and see it really reflected elsewhere and for the rest of someone's life, as you said.
2: Well, and even like you just, you know, you mentioned the word pleasure. I always think it's so interesting where like in the United States, we really kind of don't or typically historically haven't used the word pleasure when we talk about sex. It's been much more scientific. And when we look at the rest of the world, we see, you know, the use of the word pleasure really does, you know, relate in terms of having a better relationship with sex like going on in life. It's it's so... um, I guess, exhilarating, I guess, is the word to hear you, you know, to hear you say it so many times and say like, that's really the energy. That's sort of like the, the push that you're really trying to help educate and really help people to know more about, um, sex from through the lens of pleasure. And I think that that, you know, many times when I say that to parents, they're like, Oh God, don't even say that word. Like just stop, stop, stop. You know, like, I don't want to hear it. And so, you know, even when I talk to, um, you know, different teachers, even, you know, like sometimes it's like, oh, I can't, I can't. Um, But how important it is to be able to really talk openly, honestly, and really feel like less shame around something that's so human and so normal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's something that's never really made sense to me because it's happening, right? (laughs) Like it's happening. And so wouldn't we want, just like we would want for ourselves, wouldn't we want other people in our lives, even if, even if those people are our children to be having an experience that feels good for them instead of an experience that feels painful or unwanted. I mean, you know, it's like, it's not going to not happen. So why, you know, why not try to to help folks have the best experience that they can? And I think there's really interesting uh, research out there that people are really just kind of have started to do in the last decade or so showing that, you know young people who are having sex that feels more pleasurable to them are more likely to use birth control, are more have are more likely to have delayed sex or more likely to use condoms because of course it's all again, it's all connected, right? If if you don't, if you don't know how to help condoms feel good during sex, then you're not gonna wear them. If you don't know how to ask for them, then you're it's not gonna happen, right? They're all again, all of it is so interconnected that we can't expect this one piece to change if we isolate it from all of the other things that, that are going on.
2: Well, and wasn't there, I thought that there were some research as well, like leading to the more that we can help kids and help, you know, people to understand sex through the lens of pleasure, the more likely that we are able to build like a consent culture, right? We're able to really mm-hmm. have this much more um, you know, back and forth versus like a the power dynamic
1: that has been so popular in sex and in porn and lots of things. Absolutely. Uh, I think that so many folks, especially folks with right people who are socialized as female uh, are sort of socialized to to believe that you kind of like, this is just what it is, right? And, and this is kind of what to expect. And, and that some pain is, I think it's like, I saw somewhere, there's this amazing article about, I think it's called like, what women put up with or something like that. That's like 50% of, at least 50% of people with vaginas are experiencing pain during intercourse. And that there's sort of this like, well i guess that's just what it is no it's not just what it is right and so again like you know having had these conversations with people in their 30s 40s and 50s it's like okay we can start so much earlier than that and prevent so many years of people having having sex that they don't want to be having that they don't like but that they feel like they should be having or that they think is normal um, and, and that's on e- for everyone, right? That if, if everyone in that relationship thinks that this is just what you have to put up with or do, then it, how is it ever going to change? And so, you know, it's really about, yeah, how can we kind of open up that conversation a little bit more and bring some of the joy into it and bring some of the, bring all of that pleasure in, um, without at the same time, <laughs> I feel like the pendulum always swings. It always swings the other direction. And then you have people who are like, I need to be able to do X, Y, and Z things and right. Like, and then you become like broken in this other way because you can't have 20 orgasms in two minutes or whatever thing people think that they need to be able to do. So we spend a lot of time on that too, actually, which is the sort of performance piece and kind of helping people just be where they are and, right. and be okay with that.
2: Right. And be in that moment and be able to connect, right? Like in that in that no, moment I'm to themselves.
0: Exactly. What's that? What's that I like that's out? the most important part. Like it's going to happen regardless of what we call it or, you know, our views on it. Like, I feel like it's really important to make it conducive to a good time for both people or as many people as you're having sex with. You know, I think yeah. it's, I think there's, there's so much to be said for becoming closer rather than further away from both yourself and the other people during that experience. And I think we're often socialized to not just, you know, be open to that experience and to feel like, oh, it's all about, you know, getting it in and then just leaving. Like, I feel like there's so much to be said for hookup culture. And I think propagating this pleasurable sex would bring a lot of people closer, um, not just like in a sexual contact but but emotionally as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's such a, um, you know, again, it's so connected to to the rest of our lives, I think so often. And, and I, the other thing that we see all the time is that, you know, I think that we don't understand how the rest of our lives impact our sexuality. And so I'm especially it's been so interesting during this past year in particular, having conversations with folks who are like, I don't know what's going on with my sex drive. I just feel and I'm like, could it maybe be a global pandemic? I and, do you know, it, yeah. and they're like, could it? And I'm like, yeah, it could. Right. So I think even, you know, there are so many ways that we sort of, I think because we don't talk about sex in our culture and because there's so much shame and stigma, it gets Put into this little box where, and, and that little box, there are so many things that happen uh, because we put it in that box. And one of the things that happens is that we don't connect it to the rest of our lives. And so we, we often, I talk to folks who haven't even connected it to their, their other aspects of their relationship, right? Like things are not going well in the bedroom and I'm like, how are things otherwise? And they're like bad. And I'm like, well, that, uh, is, What, why is that? That's what's (laughs) happening, you know, (laughs) and it's like Mm -hmm. a shock, right? Or sort of trauma that people have experienced in the past. That, you know, if you've had an experience where your needs and your desires were not respected, that's going to impact you later on, most likely. And people, again, because we sort of box it away, people are like, wait, oh, okay, right? So we spend a lot of time, I think, really just helping people understand that this is, it's not what you see in the movies. It's not what you see in porn. It is a deeply emotional experience that is connected to so many other aspects of your life and that at all of the pieces of it, right? our I, can't, I don't know how many times I've said, like, our bodies are not robots. We can't turn a thing off and turn it on at will. It does, it's not an on-off thing at all, right? It's often shades of gray. It's messy. It's complicated it's, you know, it's changing all the time. Uh, and so I think because, because of that box, people are sort of like, well, what's in that box is just this very simple thing. And I'm like, no, it's super, super complicated, like but that's else. the fun part of it too.
0: Right. It, you know, they were often taught that sex is just this compartmentalized, you know, part of your life and it has no push or pull on anything else we do. And I think, you know, sex doesn't exist in a void and neither does identity or your relationship or whether or not this person has a crush on you and it's really important to take a holistic human view because that's what sex is it's all about the people and what you guys do it okay so just really puts that into perspective and I think also brings it out of that perspective of okay it's just this like little thing that we do over here and it happens you know on holidays and weekends or whatever <laughs> and you know it doesn't reflect anything else and I think it's important to take it out of this box and be like it's okay you know I know it's it's. It's tough because we've been taught all these things about it. But going forward, you know, take a look at it as a mirror, you know, how, how you're doing in the rest of your life. Like a global pandemic would absolutely take away some sex drive. And exactly. people are like, wow, it's crazy. I just, I can't believe I didn't know about this sooner. And like, that's a very <laughs> common reaction, even as a, you know, 20 year old and talk to my friends like, oh, what? Global pandemic. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. So it's just, it reflects the rest of our lives. Nothing exists in its own, you know, void. Um, no, but like, where do you see the next steps going off of? You know, all of these amazing topics you've brought up and discussed with us. Where do you see guys going and growing um, in the future? You know, during the pandemic and coming out of it. Hopefully,
1: we really just want to reach as many people as we can. You know, I think that when all of these things that we've been talking about, that you know, the sort of complexity of all of this, there is no chatbot. Or article that is going to fix it, right? For, for someone. So we really do believe that it is these kinds of conversations where we can dig a little bit deeper, where we can ask the right question at the right time, where we can read between the lines and pick up on something that that's where you can really create a space where people again kind of can feel vulnerable and can make change. And so we really just want to grow as much as we can and reach as many people as we can. We're also working on bringing uh, bringing other nonprofits that work with young people onto OKSO okay so that they can do the same thing, uh, because again, you know, three health educators in a building can only see so many young people every day, but those three health educators on OKSO okay can serve a much broader uh, and bigger group of of folks. So we're we're working on some of those partnerships as well, uh, and trying to to make it really so that when someone logs into OKSO, okay they're seeing. You know agencies that are close to them. They're maybe seeing national agencies, and they're also able to talk to our own health educators. So there's some and the expert that is right for them at their fingertips whenever they need it. That's amazing.
2: That's such a great um, great potential for partnership. Certainly, if we hear of any on our end, we'll send them your way because that really does seem like that would allow for so much more reach, um, just having more people, you know, getting involved. If someone listening wanted to get involved, how
1: would they go about doing that, Elise? Well, at this point, it's pretty simple. You can just literally email me. and <laughs> I'm happy to respond. So my email is Elise, which is E-L-I-S-E at OKSO, O-K-A-Y-S-O dot D-O. So not dot com, that will bounce back, but dot C-O. And feel free to reach out. And I would love to connect and learn more. Yeah, that's awesome. Is
2: there any other way that you think Promly can be helpful?
1: Oh, that's a lovely question. I mean, this is so, you know, I think I would love to see us do like some social media stuff. I think that would be really fun because I think we're trying to really think about the kinds of content that folks want to, you know, I think there's, again, this pleasure piece is so crucial and it's something that a lot of, you know, a lot of young people aren't able to see or aren't getting necessarily. So mm-hmm. we've been doing a lot of that work, but yeah, I would love to to think about uh, ways that we can kind of- Let's get, do it. Let's do it. Nice. There. You want
0: to give us yeah. a quick Instagram plug? Yes, <laughs>
1: yeah. You're at the Promly app. At Promly app, uh, and you can find us at Hey Okay So.
2: Awesome! I love it. I love the Hey Okay So. You know that's the uh, like,
0: Okay So. This has yeah. been on my mind. Yeah, this I is what it. I'm going through. These I are my Thank right. you um, so
2: much, Elise. Um, I am so excited. I've already started telling people all about Okay So. I can't wait to tell more people about it. Um, And this wraps up another Promly Garden podcast. Um, Don't forget to follow follow us at Promly App for updates and the release of the new Promly App coming soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Zachary. You're awesome. Elise, you're awesome. And OK So Rocks the World.